The eastern brown snake is considered one of the most poisonous snakes in the world. The most poisonous snake in the Persian court of Artaxerxes was named Bagoas. Welcome to episode six of Wikipedia articles that should be movies. I'm your host, Greg Miller. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking with my guest, Eric Barant, about Bagoas and his story. Uh, now, as you know, on this podcast, we look at the, the fun, weird, wacky world of Wikipedia and, and try to imagine how these stories might uh, be made on screen. So so who was Bagoas, uh, the man we're talking about today? Uh, he was a Persian uh, courtier, uh, vizier. Uh, he was a eunuch uh, in around uh mid fourth century bc so we're talking about sort of the 350s 340s uh around the time just before alexander the great really rose to prominence um and he was first started in the court of artas artaxerxes the third and as always i apologize for my to my persian friends out there for my pronunciation uh i artaxerxes i don't know that might be it anyway artaxerxes is the uh uh persian emperor uh so bagoas is serving under him uh sort of rises to prominence holds a lot of power in the court uh it starts to feel artaxerxes uh turning away from him or, or maybe he fell out of favor with artaxerxes decides what he's going to do is is poison the emperor uh artaxerxes the third so he does that successfully successful poison administration uh by bagoas so he gets to stick around uh, he decides to raise uh, Artaxerxes' youngest son uh, to the throne. Uh, and and he, he chooses his youngest son, who was named Arsus of Persia, became known as Artaxerxes IV uh, because he thought he would be easier to control. Uh, so Artaxerxes IV gets the throne. Bagoas is controlling him. Uh, once again, uh, maybe because he poisoned his father, maybe not, uh, Bagoas has fallen out of favor in court. He goes to his tried and true method of poisoning the emperor, uh, and successful again, uh, nails it, sticks the landing, uh, once again, uh, poisons our sister, Artaxerxes the fourth and, and does his other trick where he then raises a cousin of Artaxerxes to the throne as Darius the third. And uh, you, you might know where this is going. After a couple of years of Bagoas uh, sort of running things for Darius, Darius gets a little bit sick of that. And Bagoas decides, well, it's time to poison him too. Uh, Darius, uh, amazingly, is wise to this maneuver by now. He's probably starting to, to put, put two and two together here. Uh, it somehow forces Bagoas to drink the poison himself. Uh, so that's the thrust of Bagoas. He is a, a very poisonous uh, courtier. He's got a couple other fun little stories uh, that we'll get into as well, I'm sure. Uh, but I'll bring on uh, Eric Barant, uh, who's my guest today. Uh, Eric's a history and uh, a Wikipedia enthusiast. So welcome, Eric. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Greg. I'm really excited to be on the show and talk about this scurrilous vizier. Now, I thought... Uh, I, this was an article I didn't know, uh, which I've, I'm always thrilled when I come across one I don't hadn't read before, um, which doesn't happen given the, the amount of time I've spent in cubicles and and bored on my phone in my life. But how I thought how you found this one was very funny. Yeah, so I'm I'm sure like lots of people uh, who listen to this podcast, I was on some like midnight deep dive on Wikipedia. I don't even know why. Maybe I was doing reading for like a, a Dungeons and Dragons campaign or something. I wanted some villain and I ended up on a list of poisonings. It's, it's a great article, the lists of poisonings on Wikipedia. And I, at the very top of the list, like the first thing you see is, you know, uh, uh, Artaxerxes, uh, Artaxerxes the third poisoned by his vizier Bagoas, uh, Arces poisoned by Bagoas. Bagoas poisoned by Darius the third and I thought this is a man who knew his business until he didn't and uh I kind of became obsessed with this it's funny but it's also like very dark uh you know poisoning isn't in style anymore unless you're in Russia I guess unfortunately uh so right. it really stuck out to me as just 
whoa <laughs> well yeah it's like just just to get to the top of that list a few times it is pretty amazing i like just say you notice it wait a minute bag list again uh yeah it definitely definitely has definitely has this thing and i think you hit on like a common theme on the show where like things are very funny in history now like it's obviously you know we're talking about murder uh <laughs> you know it's a serious topic i guess but uh just just these say like we did with the Erfurt latrine disaster, like just about, you know, it's hard not to laugh at some of these things, even something like the children's crusade, which was like just this sort of unabetted tragedy uh, is humorous now to think about. Yeah. I think, I think that's what's, I mean, it's one of the best things about history, right. Is I can find uh, great excitement and joy and happiness in something that would have been a really sore topic for a lot of people back in the day. And like, you know, listen to the children's crusade episode. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a cluster f it's a bumble it's just a a a total joke but at the time i'm sure there were a lot of really passionate people about it so you know i i kind of and i don't know i don't know what bagwas's reputation is in the history of like iran or something today like maybe bagwas is a more complex character to them where for me when i read this i can see two sides to him but largely i see almost like a a a comical thing like it's like a, a a comedy of of errors almost in the end i think too like there's a, like a, a couple things there is the one of like we talked about it uh would it be two episodes that we we're, t- we were sort of in and around persia we we're talking about the elephant that the avasad empire gave to charlemagne and when we were pitching a movie as we do on this podcast uh one of the common tropes we brought up was like that idea of the villain being like an evil courtier an evil vizier i think we literally i think this is the third time we've talked about an evil vizier now most of the time we're talking about that like trope in films and art and stuff this is like an actual uh evil vizier and that is like what struck me reading this is like this is just a bad man like he's just yeah. not, there's no real redeeming uh qualities to the bagoist story i think i think bagoist unfortunately he he has a lot of the signifiers of like a historical villain, like, you know, a perfect patsy for everything that was bad in, in their culture at the time. Right. He's uh, for us as Western culture coming up, eunuchs are like untrustworthy, right. Think of Varys, the spider from game of Thrones, right. The ultimate manipulative eunuch. He's, he's a vizier, which is what Jafar is in Aladdin, right. The, the beard twirling villain. He's uh, you know, he's, he's a, he, he walks into the, the temple in Jerusalem and declares himself holier than the high priest of Jerusalem, right? Like he's, he's just, he's prideful. He's, he's backstabbing. He's a great villain, but I think we can get into it later. If you were doing a movie, you know, and maybe Bagoas was telling his story, you know, is Artaxerxes the third, a buffoon, you know, are, are the people who are running the temple, getting too too out of control i don't know it's it's interesting to think about yeah and i, I i'm glad you brought up varus because i am re-watching game of thrones for about the third time and i think he's like the complex character right of like what his real motivations aren't he i don't think this is a spoiler warning for anyone who hasn't seen that show it's been out for many years now but like he says he's always acting on behalf of the realm and you're always sort of like it's hard to believe that anyone in that show is 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 sort of uh altruistic like that but you could imagine maybe a bag with story where i mean if he poisoned one of them maybe but i think <laughs> like where he's claiming you know this is i'm stopping a tyrant uh but i think once you're poisoning you're trying to poison up to three and yeah. almost exclusively at the times where you're about to they want you to cede some of the power you have it, I, it's it's hard to it's hard to have a sympathetic reading of this from bagua's and I think, you know, not to downplay the fact, you know, in some tellings of the story, when he killed Artaxerxes III with poison, he poisoned his entire family. So, it, and, and you know, Arces is, I, I don't know how old Arces was. I didn't actually read that article, but potentially he's killing very young people too. He's, he, you know, and we have, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, children or young adults or teens didn't exist back then. You know, everybody was fair game if you were in the line of succession, but he's killing potentially young people here. He's, he's wiping out, people who could challenge him way down the line in a way. So 
Yeah, it is interesting. So Arsis, I think, was pretty young, like Arsis IV, but in, in the section about his poisoning, his brief reign of poisoning, it mentions like he's trying to kill Bagoas too. So there's like, <laughs> yeah. a race to poison each other, which is just like such a funny image to think of like the emperor. Like it's almost like you have to be diplomatic about it. Like if I was the emperor, why wouldn't like, obviously it shows, I guess, how much power Bagoas has that the emperor couldn't just kill him or have him killed like publicly uh but obviously tragic misstep on his part not to not to kill Vegas because he got him I I uh, picture it as like the the scene from the princess bride I know that you know that I yeah, know that yeah, I yeah, poisoned yeah. this cup right it's it's this game of uh, of daring back and forth and yeah I think I think Bagoas knew everything that was going on at court well and it's funny too that you mentioned too that there's like there's this great this great story of him trying to poison all these guys eventually like literally you know getting a taste of his own medicine at the end uh and then there's but then there's just these like weird little supplemental offshoot stories about Begoist. so you mentioned the one about him him walking into the holiest of holies in jerusalem in the temple and 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 saying no it's fine that i'm here uh there's also a story that he maybe was actually an Egyptian and it was some sort of nationalistic sort of uh, cause to kill Artaxerxes III because Artaxerxes III had committed some sort of sacrilege. Uh, he had a very nice house and garden is mentioned here. And then just finally, like just sort of like at the very end of the article, it's like he may have also killed uh, Philip II of Macedon, who's, who's uh, Alexander the Great's father and sort of started the Macedonian Empire. This is a this is an Alexander the Great prequel episode. You know, this is Bagoas's story leads into the Alexander sequel. It's uh, it, and I had no idea. Like when I first saw the poisoning list, I didn't realize how connected he was to a very interesting time in history. Right, pre-Rome. Um, you know, kind of still Greece city states. You know, Macedon is an independent state. Very. It's a really fascinating time where I had a huge blind spot in my historical knowledge for. So reading the article and kind of pointing out to these things around it was super fun. Yeah, and I think that too. It's like it's a great connection to Alexander, a great story which has obviously been told many, many times, and it sort of has was like that first sort of European and Asian uh, empire. And I think too, uh, it mentions that. Bagoas is a character because of his connection to Alexander Great in particular. Uh, he's been represented in in fiction, mostly in in uh, I think it's mostly in novels, and and one of them though, uh, he's like he sounds like a protagonist. Uh, he's portrayed as a trusty eunuch servant of the the Persian satrap of of Memphis. So it's like somebody obviously didn't read this Wikipedia article because when they before they wrote that story because again it's impossible to read this in a way that's in any way sympathetic to Bagoas. I, I think maybe maybe they were reading about him because you know we when you read the Wikipedia article right it talks about how he was he teamed up with this who I picture is like this grizzled badass Greek mentor. Uh, he's a yeah, Rodian, mentor, great a Rodian, name too. Yeah, mentor, yeah. awesome name. So this this Rodian guy and they go out and they you know conquer and and he becomes uh i guess a, a set rep um i guess kind of like a regional governor that is and maybe that's back that's 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 before a start of darkness you know maybe he's still loyal and good at that point it's it's the court that corrupts him i i don't want to sound like i'm a bagoist apologist i'm just trying to I'm just trying to He's, get in the mind of somebody, you know? Yeah, you're going for the, like the power corrupts, right? Angle yeah, or, maybe. Yeah, I think it's amazing. So Mentor, which again, is just a funny name uh, for someone to be uh, your mentor in, in some ways, right? He sort of teamed up with him. Uh, it doesn't really mention, a Mentor somehow avoided the poisonous rage of, of Bagoas. He knew something that the other guys didn't know. Mentor, I think Mentor has... <laughs> He sounds like he's a, he's a warrior. He's a mercenary. He probably works with pretty untrustworthy people to begin with. Right. Probably any time a drink comes into the place, he just he has uh, some poor fool standing by, being like, "Hey, you want to taste that for me first? You know, maybe you know, maybe he was the guy mentor. Maybe he mentored Bagoas in, in staying right. ahead sure of these enough. problems. I, I don't. The know. The thing that's funny, like. Wiki, big Wikipedia like subgenre is uh, like serial killer articles. Those are always really popular, and obviously like podcasts and stories about them are popular now. And what 
usually comes out of people kind of getting obsessed with these serial killer stories is starting to look into their lives more and noticing more like curious deaths or curious injuries, like when they were younger and stuff. Like I'd be interested to like have someone read this Bagwas article. It's hard to believe he only tried to poison three people. Like he was so, he was so quick to get to turn to poison. I, I feel like Bagwas. Yeah. Right. Like people always talk about that on those true crime podcasts, right? Like that, this is the sign of somebody, this isn't his first kill. And to me, Bagoas, you know, his life in the Wikipedia article before he becomes a eunuch is a complete blank, you know? So to me, like, you know, he, he starts off as a eunuch in service of this, of the court of the, uh, I think it's pronounced Achmedid empire, but you know, maybe he's done poisoning on the way up. You know, he probably would have had to have been high born to, to begin with, or at least somewhere around power, but he, he got there somehow and we just have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, you got to assume there's a trail of bodies behind, yeah. trailing behind Bagoas somewhere. Oh, reeking uh, of arsenic. You know, there's something. Yeah, yeah it doesn't mention how he poisoned. I was looking up no. uh, like poisons in my brief preparation for this podcast. Uh, yeah, it doesn't mention if he had a particular. I'm always curious, uh, like how poisons actually administered. Uh, like kind of like that Princess Bride scene, right? Is it just the classic, like you put in someone's wine, or is it, you know, it doesn't really get into the how Bagoas managed to pull this all off. No, and you know, I it's funny because Bagoas is clearly he's a successful poisoner, but I don't know if he's a subtle poisoner because the fact that these things in history are noted as Bagoas poisoned two people and tried to poison a third makes me think he's borderline taking a big smoking green vial of of like toxic poison with a skull on it and pouring it in their wine glass because as i understand it historically there have been poisoners who poison for decades and are never found out because they make the poisoning look like a natural cause right and right i don't know if bagois was doing that because he seems to have been fingered pretty quick for these crimes yeah he obviously felt like i'm killing an emperor is is like no small feat. Like he obviously felt confident enough in doing it that he was going to get away with it or be fine with it. Um, which again, I guess maybe shows sort of that balance of power. Uh, but you, the, the interesting thing, obviously the further you get back into history, I mean, we're talking about not a lot of sources for the story. Right. So it's like, yeah. was Alex, as mentioned in the article, Alexander Gray comes into power uh, really soon after the Begoist, uh story. Uh, clearly wasn't a fan or maybe wasn't a fan of Bagwa. So is the, is, does that color, you know, how the story has been told in the two or three sources we have about it? Um, it, it, We just don't know. Right. It's hard to really know for sure. Yeah. And we don't, you know, it it seems like a lot of the big source in this article, at least they're citing Diodorus Siculus um, who, who has this uh, history Bibliotheca Historica, which as I read was, was actually like a fairly well-regarded history amongst classic scholars. Not amazing, right? There's all these gaps, but you know, some people think it's reliable in certain ways. And it, it makes you wonder like, was Bago, like, was this being written with a political goal in mind? You know, is this to shame Bagoas for the, you know, to, to cover up for the failings of others or to have a convenient scapegoat, you know, you know, gathering power. And I think that's like, you know, as a human, I think hopefully you want to have some natural like empathy or sympathy towards other people. And so like we've already during this episode tried to like imagine ways in which maybe he wasn't. Maybe he's not the worst person. Yeah, come on, give him a chance. (laughs) Uh, Don't drink anything around him. But uh, (laughs) like because the stuff is just so over the top. I forgot about this other little scene where it's like uh, according to Diodorus, Bagoas became wealthy by stealing the sacred writings to the Egyptian ten- temples and then selling them back to them. Like, they're just such evil, like, such base, like, and bold, like, evil plots that he's committing. Yeah, oh, yeah. And it's funny because in my my little notebook that I was taking notes in before, before I came on, I was thinking of movies that could kind of be related to the, the theoretical Bagoas movie we're going to talk about. And I, I have The Wolf of Wall Street on my list. Because of that, you know, the, right. the bold, the bold faced ability to do a scam like that shamelessly, I'm going to increase my power by just lying and cheating and talking out my butt to everybody. I just think it's, it's just so, yeah, it's diabolical, you know, just an awful man. <laughs> and I think like, as we, like, if we're thinking about a, a movie in the Bagless story, it's like, 
it's such a modern thing to like want to add like some nuance or something because like if this movie was made in like the 50s or something he could just be like the evil guy but we don't really do that anymore like we you know generally tend to at least if he's still the bad guy still the antagonist let's say you know at least add some horrible backstory like cruella de vil even got that treatment in the newest Absolutely. 101 dalmatians and the she was like the most evil person yeah, yeah. And, okay. and so if we're doing it for Cruel de Vil, we'd have to add something for Bagulas. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's other movies on my list. I was kind of thinking, you know, again, I literally was thinking we're talking about the same thing because I was like, if this were, yeah, if this were like a movie made in the, the 90s, even I think even in the 90s, he'd be more mustache twirling. You know, there would be right. a lot of signifiers that indicate him as a, he's evil. But then I was thinking, you know, maybe there's kind of like um like an I Claudius thing going on here, or or uh, a Maleficent even for maybe some of our, our our younger listeners, right? You know, take this character who's universally seen as the symbol of evil, and maybe just explain maybe there's something worse going on that made them that way. But I don't want to. It's funny. Give it's like that. yeah, it's it's funny to have someone like Bagwish, which obviously like if if we're pretty. Wikipedia, big Wikipedia history nerd don't know a lot about this story. It would be hard to like we're t- like we're reappropriating Bagwis and telling the real story because everyone would be like, "Who is Bagwis?" Uh, exactly. like your starting point of knowledge for everyone is so uh, is so low. But yeah, it, uh, yeah. What, so what else do you have on that list of movies? Well, so I don't know. I this is it's funny because I, when I was listening to um, I think mostly the Children's Crusade um, episode. Um, I, I don't know why of all the episodes that one, it, it really captured something for me, which was that almost every historical like character event, we could say, Hey, Ridley Scott could direct this because he, he yeah. you know, I have the last duel here on this list. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet to be honest. It is, uh, I really want to see it. Phenomenal. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It it's, you know, and Ridley Scott, if you're listening, I'm one of the millennials who went to see your movie. Um, just in case you want to, you know, get <laughs> mad at me, but um, I, I paid money to go see in the theater and um, you know, it, it really comes down to is that there's, you know, different accounts of the same events. And I think with a, a bag of a story, you could potentially have a framing device. You know, it's at, it's at that last dinner that Darius and bag sit down at, they both got poison in each other's mugs and <laughs> they kind of flash back and say, here's what made me come here. To this point from Darius's point of view where Bagoas is the sinister guy who's poisoning his family plucks him out of relative obscurity and puts him on the throne and he's afraid of him and then there's Bagoas who sees all these guys who aren't unworthy of their power you know this is one take on it but I think that yeah. there's there's an interesting thing that could be done with you know anything with the courts and intrigue right? well I think was- too like that was a mean like like i said earlier like the alexander the great story obviously has been told uh you know we get lots of western like like the roman empire story has been told sparta has been told uh maybe i i mean maybe there's like a peloponnesian war or some sort of athens movie out there that still could be made but there are we don't get a lot of these like persian court right like i you know and certainly not in a way where it's presented as anything other than like this evil Persian Empire intruding on the poor Greeks or something like that, right? So it's like there's a lot of room there to tell that story for the first time uh, in that setting anyway. Yeah, I feel like when I was trying to, because I did did some kind of casting notes, you know, who would I cast in this movie? I realized that I, I basically, I think I tried to do the podcast on hard mode because I started coming up against that, you know, Oscar so white thing. How do yeah. I find a cast of Persian or Middle Eastern, uh, you know, people who would have uh, lived in within the borders of the Achaemenid Empire to play these roles? And uh, it's because this isn't examined, this sort of thing, right? Think of 300. The Persians are inhuman, you know, caricatures of the other. And, you know, when I was thinking of this article, I'm like, these are all... It's just the same, not, you know, not culturally speaking, but it's the same idea as Rome. You know, if you were going to do a, a Caesar movie, you could have the power grasping, the the betrayals and everything just with the cast that you could cast with, you know, British people from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't like you and look at that. Right. Like um, 300, the Persian Emperor's played by like a Brazilian guy. And yeah. uh, like my general, like in uh like game of thrones like dorn i think it's supposed to be sort of this like maybe not the middle east but a little maybe it's more like spain i suppose but like that like oscar isaac tends to play like middle eastern roles and he's just like a 
Spanish, I think like, you know, like Chilean American or something like that, right? Like yeah. we, we don't cast actually a lot of, you know, actual Persians to play Persians, for example. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, and that's, I like, and, and I'm guilty of it too. Like if you ask me, okay, who, who's the best Persian actor in Hollywood right now? I, you know, I, I wouldn't really know. Yeah, no. And, and I, I struggle with that because I was trying to think of, you know, who, who could we get as sort of a leading man type to, to play Bagoas, who is of, you know, who's, who is a, you know, to, to a Western audience, let's say a North American audience, who's a bankable star who could lead this bagoist movie and i was i was kind of struggling because i i pulled up a, a you know a list of um you know actors from iran or from you know who have persian descent and i i didn't end up going in my fan casting for the bagoist movie with an actor of persian descent i went with somebody outside of that region for that main actor i mean like the main person i think of for like all these roles is like ben kingsley also mm -hmm. tends to play these like you know these othered like you know yeah. our our oriental uh is, yeah. is uh exotic kind of roles <laughs> you know what i mean we don't actually cast them uh you know correctly and and yeah and it, it's difficult so yeah. how, how did you who who'd you land on well how are you i guess like and this is the question it's like what is the tone of this story so i think i i thought that there were maybe there's there's two tones um that we can go for I think you can go for one that is a comedy that embraces uh, Bagoas as a slimy, uh, uh, mustache twirling, hand wringing, uh, you know, black hat villain. Um, but he's funny because everyone around him is is a buffoon, and you're kind of relishing in his villainy, and it's kind of fun. And he has a, a sort of a cast of characters around him that kind of bring out why you kind of find him funny. Or I think you can do a very um, tragic uh, biopic about him. That's a very serious Oscar uh, type movie. Um, and, and I kind of cast the same people with one exception for the same things, because I think it would all depend on uh, the script, because I think it's okay if your characters are playing it super straight and Bagoas isn't. Bagoas is like this, you know, monster in the corner and everyone right. else is kind of in a historical drama. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, like there's something like again, it's just so it's so over the top what he did. Like it's so almost hammy, just poisoning everyone the second you start falling out of favor. Like that, it just like lends itself to this sort of like here we go again, sort of like comedy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so I can tell you my bagoist casting. Yeah. So for Bagwes, I went with um, an actor. I'm sure lots of people are familiar with him, uh, Riz Ahmed. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So from Riz Night Ahmed of is, and uh, 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 Rogue One. Um, he's in right. that the 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 questionable Venom movie as the villain. So I, I picked him for that because I saw that movie, and he's a pretty good slimy villain in that. Um, okay. So I thought Riz Ahmed would be good because he can also play funny. Um, he can he can be very serious, but he can also play funny. And, uh, you know, he's he's kind of he's just great on screen. He's a great looking person. So you're kind of you're like, oh, you know, I trust him. He's a good looking guy. But he's this just black hearted rogue underneath it. He did, you know, Riz Ahmed, I just I was reading this Wikipedia article because he was in. It's like the night of. It's like this HBO show they really yeah. like. It's really good. And we were Ashley, Denny, and I on that show were talking about the Bechdel test mm -hmm. about represent proper representation or appropriate representation of women in in film. And he is a namesake for something called the Riz test. Okay, which is this test of uh, the nature of Muslim representation in mm -hmm. in TV and film, and very similar. Uh, like is the character identifiably Muslim? Is the character talking about the victim of or the perpetrator of terrorism? Is he presented as irrationally angry? So it's like this, because uh, oh, he has spoken about this. So he's, uh, yeah, interesting guy about this need for greater representation. And I think that's interesting too, because of course we're making you know a Bagoist movie, which is set you know hundreds of years before the rise of Islam, but these characters to a modern audience are going to be coded. To, to a lot of viewers as people from a region of the world that is primarily Islamic. And, and I think that's going to be a, kind of an interesting thing because 
these people are there as far as I know, they're kind of, um, uh, what would the term be? They have like a pantheon of gods. Religion wouldn't be the same for these people as it would be for a, a modern uh, Iranian. Um, so I, I think that's an element too. That's and I think interesting. Like, yeah. And not to like paint people too broadly, but I think the sort of difference between Arabic uh, like someone like Riz Ahmed and yeah. Persian is, is probably lost on, most western people right like totally yeah you're right that he would be like someone like Riz Ahmed would be perfectly acceptable in Persian rule because most people would be like wouldn't wouldn't know why how that's any different right exactly and that's that's you know that's my Hollywood producer in me I'm going well you know I don't have a big bankable Persian actor I can think of but Riz Ahmed he's (sighs) you know he's got that that you know kind of ambiguity to him so I, I would say as Bagoas, I think he'd be great because he's he's just an amazing actor too. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think Bagoas is complex. Yeah, the other guy who gets that treatment is like I say for worse, I guess it's obviously beneficial for like his career is like uh Rami Malek, right? Who I think is like is American, uh, yeah. but is of Egyptian heritage. That's right. And help but and he plays characters of all different ethnicities. Right? I'm I'm not gonna lie to you, he's my runner up for the Bagoist role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He because it, just as you say, it's that exact characteristic. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know how I was picturing Bagoist. I guess I was picturing him as pretty young because it seems like he's in like a he can't be that young, obviously. Um because he's he's in this really important position of power that he wasn't born into, so he obviously needed time. Uh, but this is a pretty like dynamic, active uh, guy, right? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and and especially in this movie, say we're going for um, a you know a, a, a premier quality Hollywood Oscar bait biopic for him. You know, we we get, we're going to need Bagoas to be played by the same actor from his younger days all the way through to when he's in the court. And both Riz Ahmed and Rami Malek, I think, look younger than their years. Riz Ahmed is, I think, 38 years old. But I feel really? like he could, wow. I think yeah, he I is. Wow. I, I, I could be wrong, but yeah. I think he no, can I don't play, know. Wow. I think he can play much younger and yeah, probably yeah, yeah, a lot definitely. older. Yeah. Right. If we're going for, you know, the epic years, years past. Yeah, like the Ridley Scott. The Ridley Although, Scott. Although like I don't know, like just touching on that, like maybe we need to start reimagining how these, because Ridley Scott certainly sounds like the last duel is going to be like his last historic epic that's told in that really like grand sweeping way. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's kind of interesting that I bring up Ridley Scott in this discussion too, because he's of course, I think kind of infamous for one of the worst whitewashings of a cast uh, ever in the Exodus gods and Kings movie where he had, you know, christian bale playing an egyptian guy um and not i believe you know it's the book of exodus so these wouldn't have been hellenistic you know oh, greeks man, running i forgot Egypt. that movie existed it's i mean i think uh, it's pretty reprehensible i don't think it has a great historical legacy um i i don't even remember if i saw it but uh i just remember the the brouhaha about it because it was very 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 whitewashed and it's just so unnecessary like that's especially like you think about you know Per, like Iran, modern Iran, especially has like this incredible film industry and yeah. obviously has like lots of actors in it. And they're regularly up for like my real only engagement in foreign cinema, like because I'm like just a boring uh, white Canadian guy is like the Academy Awards for foreign yeah. film. And there's inevitably an Iranian film nominated yeah. almost every year. Right. So absolutely. And and I did I did. um you know, for my other, for my secondary casting, I did try to go with actors of kind of Persian or Iranian uh, descent um, for them. But, you know, I did pull a couple who are already in the sort of Hollywood milieu um, as well. So there aren't any names that I think are complete unknowns on my list, but there, there are some who, who probably people are like who, and I'd say they're in this thing. Oh, of course I know that. Okay. Who you okay. got? Okay. So for the role of uh, Artaxerxes the Third, I yeah. went with the actor. Uh, I believe his name is pronounced uh, Sean Tobe. Um, uh, Sean Tobe he, is like... probably he's most famous, I think, probably for playing uh, the the mentor of Tony Stark in Iron Man One when they're in captivity. Okay. Oh right. Yeah. He's like the uh, 
he's doctor, a doctor scientist or something yes. and and he he's also miscast but he does a good job as uncle iroh in the live action avatar the last airbender movie um which is just horrific but he's pretty good in it uh honestly <laughs> yeah. a shining yeah, star yeah. you like to give people who suffered through a bad movie a, a good role give them a redemption um for for darius the third i cast an actor who's quite hot right now his name is Arian Moyad, and he plays a character on Succession. Um, uh, he plays uh, Stewie on Succession. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he's sort of a a guy who smiles while he's stabbing you in the back. Right, he's got this sort of like Eddie Haskell, Leave It to Beaver, like this sort of like two face sort of thing. Absolutely, and he's uh, he's very very charming, and he's very upfront with you about. He doesn't really care about how you're doing. He he cares about the bottom dollar, and I think there's something to that with Darius the Third. But he's a very handsome, fun guy, and you you don't necessarily want to believe what he's saying because he seems so charismatic. Right. I think he'd be right. great for Darius, somebody who's like smiling. Oh, I trust you, yeah, sure. And the entire time he's got his poison bottle out, just coming towards you. Um, <laughs> it's just very. It's such a funny way to kill someone, and I think it like. Really you, is. You don't actually, it's hard to portray on screen. Like you really don't, like, again, like I hate to always go back to Game of Thrones, but it is yeah. like just such a huge cultural touchstone. That whole show starts with a poisoning that you don't see. It's, yes. it's just a, it's a, they have poisonings on the show and they do like a very dramatic poisoning. Uh, but it is sort of a difficult, like, it's hard to see someone like, like sneaking around, dropping little bottle like little drops into a bottle like it's this really exciting like i i always courageous think of, thing i always think of the simpsons episode where they retell the story of hamlet and mm. uh, uh uh mo is just has ear poison that he just like <laughs> pours into people's ears with a funnel yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it's a decidedly it's a horrible way to die as i understand it Never and that's the other uh, yeah and it's the other thing about making a poisoner a protagonist because again it's yeah. just such an inherently cowardly thing to do there's it it, it's really hard especially if someone wasn't in a position of power if you're talking about being poisoned by you know a cook in the kitchen you know maybe that's something but when someone has power and they're still choosing this incredibly cowardly way to do it it's hard to be cheering for that guy I think it's just, you know, we don't, we don't now. And I think modern days too, like poisoning is so like, it's so heinous to us, right? Like when you hear about opponents of Vladimir Putin being poisoned, it's sheer horror and disgust from us, but I poisoning was de rigueur back then, right? Like even into Rome, you know, you'd have people who are great generals doing this cowardly thing, poisoning people or paying their servants to just strangle them in the bath. Right. There's. It's such a, I I mean, it's such a hard thing to stop. I mean, even if, like if you sent three people to kill me, like you know, maybe I get lucky with a couple swings and get out of that situation. Uh, yeah. Like it's just, you know, you'd be paranoid trying to stop yourself from being poor. Like I can't imagine being anyone at these Persian courts with penguins around. Willing to like it just drive you absolutely mad. It would be a high risk industry to go in there as a food taster. You know that archaic <laughs> role, like. You, yeah. you know, you get paid really well because nobody wants the job. But 50-50 or at a dinner with Bagoist, you're gonna you're gonna end up dead. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting challenge as like the filmmaker, how you're portraying the poisonings. Yes. Oh, I, I totally agree. I it would have to be it would have to be better than you know just lurching about and clutching at throats, right? Which is which is kind of the you know the language that film uses a lot of times you know and you know talking about game of thrones again you know the the purple wedding where uh and this is this is not a spoiler this show is a decade yeah old i think the show's been on long enough you know J- uh, joffrey baratheon's horrifying death is his wedding feast right he's he, right you know blood coming out of See, his that's one where you're finally like are cheering on poisoning uh because that character was so heinous yeah um but it took a lot of setup to get to that point like i don't you know that need- a we just film. need to make our season Artaxerxes third the third that bad. You know, we yeah, need to really bad. in, in our screenplay, we have to make them really bad if you yeah. want to cheer for Nicholas. Yeah. 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 I I did have a I had a stunt cast for I want Alexander the Great to appear in this movie, you know, maybe as a yeah. cameo. 
And I, I was thinking a great stunt cast would be to bring back Colin Farrell as. Yeah, I was just going to say he was terrible. <laughs> he was like, terrible. He was. I mean, it wasn't a very good movie. And I, I actually forget because we talked about obviously like epic and historical films on this podcast. And we, I don't think we've talked about that one because it's such a bad movie. I, I watched it. I think I may have watched it in like high school history class, like as a teacher was taking a real day off mentally. And yeah. uh, and I believe and I didn't know it at the time, but I think they I think they like straight wash Alexander the Great. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember and, that. Uh, and he's like doing an Irish accent. And so when you were talking about, you know, redemption for an actor, I think yeah. if you bring back Colin well, Farrell. Because that was pre Colin Farrell's like renaissance right where absolutely yeah so it'd be good to give him another crack have him come back you know you can digitally de-age him a bit because he'd be younger you know in this movie right um and uh and yeah just kind of like have him as a, as a fun cameo you know create the 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 alexander the great cinematic universe with bagoas as your launching point right yeah it's a really good origin story for someone we do know about, right? Because you know this movie would be marketed as like being sort of about Alexander the Great, just to give people some sort of frame of reference for where, like when and where we're even talking about. And I was thinking too, you know, you mentioned marketing of the movie. I was thinking about marketing this movie because, you know, you think, you know, Bagawas's actions when he does the horrible things he's doing, you know, even though they're monstrous and cartoonish to us, they're pretty subtle. You know, he's, he's just dropping poison into a cup. Um, and I was thinking, it reminds me of, I don't know if you remember the, the Tolkien biopic from a couple years ago. It, uh, who did it start? It starred um, uh, uh, Nicholas Holt, I think is his name. Um, and he plays Beast and... Uh, Beast, yeah. yeah and and uh, Czar, uh, Czar Peter, I think, in uh, The Great, which he is excellent in. Um, but he's... In that movie, Tolkien, it's a pretty dry biopic. Yeah, I, I actually, I think I came across that and I like, it didn't come, it was only like two or three years ago, right? And I'd yeah. never heard, I did not know that they made yeah. a movie about J.R. I, I watched it on a plane and it was an entirely forgettable biopic, but the entire movie's marketing hinged on one sequence where uh, Tolkien is in the, the Great War, he's in World War One, and he has like a vision of a Nazgul riding across the battlefield. And people were watching this trailer and like, oh, is it going to be kind of magical realism? Like Tolkien is going to interact with these things. It wasn't like that at all. It was a (laughs) single moment in the movie. And I remember being so disappointed because it's a very, very boring biopic. And I feel like you would need to have a moment like that in this movie that you could really market, like have a single battle sequence that lasts, you know, five minutes in the start of the movie where Bagos and Mentor are doing battle. And that's what you market the entire movie on, because this is a this is a tough sell, I think, to a lot of audiences. Yeah, yeah, the point. Yeah, it's just hard to it's it's harder, especially like so many like yeah, like if you were building up to one poisoning, yeah, that's <laughs> something. But this is like this is like just a regular every twenty minutes. There's gonna have to be a poisoning in this. Like movie. yeah, each act is like has a poisoning so it's like the, the great climax is just yet another poisoning oh. i think it's yeah i mean i guess that he gets poisoned which again like my obviously like marketing like you know hollywood producer is like how do you make a sequel out of any particular movie uh and this one's pretty tough because <laughs> everyone's everyone's dying that's that's why i think you have a young alexander coming right. with his father philip the second of macedon and, and negotiate a treaty with Bagoas where Bagoas is dismissive of him. You, you show Bagoas saying, Oh, we need to be rid of this Philip. You show Philip's death and a young Alexander, you know, cradling his body. And then you get that cameo right. at the end where he shows up to, you know, uh, live in Bagoas's house or something, you know, he'll occupy right. his home in those beautiful gardens. And right. then yeah. that leads into your Philip or uh, your, sorry, your uh, Alexander, the great pick, you know? Yeah, there is. A, yeah. Cause again, that movie, uh is waiting to be told properly like i don't there's yeah. not like a really i can't think of like a definitive alexander the great because it's certainly not that one that came out in 2004 the oliver yeah. oliver stone one no and i think and i think that you know it, it would be a fun way to set up the rest of this cast because you know darius the third is going to make it through this i don't know for how many years he reigns after this but you know we could have all these other courtiers set up 
to to recur potentially down the line in our you know Hellenistic movie uh, franchise. Um, and and I think there's there's like a rich um, cast of talented actors out there who could you know pop up as adversaries and allies you know to to Alexander. Yeah, it's like yeah, I forgot to mention this. Darius is actually the last king of the Persians, really. Like Alexander, wow. I think retains that title, but he's the last like uh, Achmed king. Yeah, so he like he's he's a figure, obviously, of historic significance of his own, right? So yeah, uh, so maybe yeah, maybe this in our movie, Darius is built as the counterpart to Bagoas. Bagoas is you know he's setting himself up to be this you know infinite power. Who's going to last forever and Darius doesn't even intend to be anything he gets the throne and then it's it's a wash you know he's he's done within a few years you know maybe that's our ironic ending text right we'll have a, a text you know Darius ascended the augmented throne in the the aftermath of Bagoas's po- attempted poisoning his rule lasted three years before you know it could be one of those things where people kind yeah because it really and it's true like it is actually like this interesting time period where uh, it's like the, the death of an empire and Bagoas is sort of like a symptom of that. Like obviously he, maybe he sped along, like maybe one of these other Artaxerxes would have been better fit to, to hold Alexander off. But it's sort of like, it's like that inevitable weakening of, of empires from within right before they, right before they fall. Right. So, cause it's yeah. all like, yeah, Bagoas, yeah. Bagoas dies like basically the year Alexander starts his invasion. It's just like, it's just so, timely i guess is, and from a is, storytelling perspective it is really fascinating that this you know this arch villain who was you know as they say in the article you know ruled the emperor the empire in all but name um you know comes undone by his own hand um is just it, it is kind of a tragic story because even if he had managed to hold on to that that power Alexander is is right there, you know, potentially within, you know, a decade knocking their doors down, you know. It's, oh, yeah, it's there's something about the like futility of what he was doing. And yeah. obviously he never got to know that how fu- just how futile it was, but it's just like <laughs> Yeah, it's kind it's like uh I don't what's the like yeah, it's like darkly comical or something like just that he's he's going through these great lengths and committing these heinous acts at you know, at, at great personal risk to to hang on to power in an empire that's about to be absolutely steamrolled. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and and that's why I another movie that I would reference that I was thinking about for this would be um, a great movie called The Death of Stalin. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I've heard it's of exactly that. the tone. I think if you're going to make a comedy about Bagoas, it's exactly that tone. There's just this cast of power hungry you know, maniacs all with their quirks and Bagoas is just like the worst and smartest among them. And it's just sort of how they're all kind of vying for it. But Bagoas just keeps poisoning, just keeps getting ahead because everyone else is subtle and he's just like a brick, you know, he's just bashing you with poison every time. And he's right there to take advantage. Yeah. It's got like a sort of like, it, it could lend itself pretty easily to like this satirical political, Yes. And then you could make it like an like uh like an analogy for almost any time period, certainly modern modern times of like these bickering over little amounts of power. And I think again, like <laughs> to bring up Game of Thrones for like the 30th time, it's like that <laughs> idea of like being so focused on holding on to political power while you know something bigger is coming. Like it's just uh yes. you could see that with the Bagwist. Bagoas story as well. He's he's trying to hold on while well, yeah, Alexander's right outside the door. Yeah, if you're getting reports consistently like, hey, Macedon's massing armies on the border. <laughs> Should we be concerned? And Bagoas is just at a bubbling cauldron. What? Yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you could really lean into that, like, you know, silliness almost in a way. Yeah. That I think yeah. Really fun. But yeah, it's a good, it's a good analogy for a lot of probably politics and yes. like, i like the idea too that he just thinks like poison's like a cure-all like no matter what situation yeah. he's in oh alexander yeah i'll just poison when he gets here we'll be fine like just like <laughs> he, he just like the poisons poisons his his uh silver bullet solution yeah yeah and it would be you know it'd be great too if in the movie like he's got a poison ready to go for alexander like it's a label yeah, yeah, like alexander label. Yeah, it's in yeah. his chambers and darius comes in and goes hey you want to have a drink with me <laughs> you know yeah yeah that's like um 
uh, Emperor's New Groove with Yzma and yes. Kronk like down in the lab. Like he goes down to this lab. He's got some Kronk like foolish <laughs> big bodyguard that he's like cooking up these poison. He's got one for like everyone, like the you know the the yep. high priest in Jerusalem, like the Roman <laughs> emperor, of, or or I guess didn't have an emperor at the time. But yeah, just who's ever ruling other empires? Like, well, once they get here, I got I'm ready for them. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, a yeah. great idea. All right. Well, I think that's a good, uh, those are a couple of good bag with something. I love, honestly love that we on this podcast inevitably will pitch like a silly comedy movie of these. Like, and I think if I, if I had my uh, way, it's like, I'd love to see these movies side by side, like make yeah. one that's like the silly version and then make one that's like the dramatic version. If we, if we had like a, a wormhole, you know, like the man in the high tower, and we could see the alternate reality where Bagoas is this this madcap comedy, um, and then we go to another world where there's a you know a, a super dramatic take on uh, uh, the latrine disaster. You know, like right? How, how yeah, because we- that one was I like that's definitely the episode of this podcast. It was episode uh, three. If you haven't heard it yet, we're like. I was actually very blown away and surprised at mostly Tyler, my guess, ability to make that movie not uh, really silly. Because I was, yeah. I was just like, at even it said on the episode, like, there's no way to make this not funny. And she did like it was a pretty good job by the end of like, yeah, I go see a dramatic telling of the Erfurt latrine disaster. Yeah, yeah, no, it's. I think it's. I think it's sort of like to. Um, I mean, I think maybe in Canada we've exposed these in case you have international listeners, but horrible histories right? Or yes, these great right. comedy books that introduce you to real history, but through the most disgusting, crazy yeah, I got, way. And, I and got, it was so influential yeah. on me. Yeah, I got very into like uh, British monarchs because of a horrible histories book. Yeah. That when I, think, I was 10 was like hitting all the right notes. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about history is that, you know, with the distance we have from it, we can find so many of these things funny and it is in a way it's really freeing we just have to make sure that we you know keep in mind especially with relatively recent history that that really does still affect people but when you're talking about bagoas it's real fun to put bagoas in a black hat and just imagine his despicable yeah. deeds. he's it just so evil but yeah like there I, like there's so much uh there's such a vacuum for telling like history of like things that actually happen on a day-to-day basis right and i think like you could definitely see like it's easy to read like this list of great poisonings and be like all right another guy poisoned another guy poisoned but really see how it happens and why like i i think is uh would be yeah i'd see the vaguest movie i don't know if it's like or is i think too uh this is my last point on (laughs) bagoist i promise (laughs) it's just so i don't know it's funny to me um it's like it's like a season of you know, uh, Alexander the Great mm-hmm. series, right? That at some point there's going to be like a six part uh, Alexander the Great history, I'm sure, on like HBO or something. And right. Bagwas is like the villain for a season. I yeah, it, it, Bagwas is maybe, yeah, you're right, a prime target for uh, premier quality TV. He's, a, he's an arc villain for the season. You get a really big actor to play him, he's really important, and then he's gone. And then the next season, you get a much more disappointing arc where you're like, ah, I really miss Bagoas. He was fun to root against. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to follow up that act of like this yep. purely evil guy killing people in the most cowardly way possible for the most selfish reasons possible. Just like, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Eric. Thanks for joining uh, the podcast. Any last notes from you on, on the Bagoas story? I, I don't think so. Uh, I think we, we talked about it from a whole bunch of angles. I really loved. I just want to say what a big fan I am of the show. I love what you're doing. I think this is a, an amazing idea for a show. And I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a listener myself, so I can't wait to hear what, uh, what's coming up. How he saw, yeah, and again, thank you for bringing this article, which I didn't know, uh, and and I'm sure most people didn't know. So definitely check out uh, Bagwas. That is uh, the the end of episode six of Wikipedia articles that should be moving. Uh, thanks again, Eric Brandt, for joining me to talk about Bagwas. Uh, as always, uh, you can let us know your thoughts on on a potential Bagwas picture or mini series. Uh, by emailing uh, me at wikipediaarticlemovies at gmail.com or responding on Spotify to the question below. So uh, a lot more funny, weird uh, episodes coming up. So uh, definitely stay tuned.